How's everybody? Praise God. He's good, isn't he? And he's beautiful for situations, isn't he? You know, I woke up 7.30 this morning. We've had two weddings the last two days. And I woke up and had to use the restroom. And, and I woke up out of a dream with my wife in it. And I didn't even tell her that yet. But I was having a dream with my wife, a good dream. And I woke up. And she woke up about the same time, and my phone was on vibrate, and it just so happened, we walked right by when Pastor was calling to put me into another dream. <laughs> and I thought, I'm still dreaming, wake up, wake up. So anyhow, no, it's not necessarily a preclude of two weeks, because I didn't even get nothing together for that yet. So God's good, amen. We're just going to follow up here, I think, with what Nicole, since last week, and the week before, I guess it's good to continue in a good thing, right? In faith. Amen. So how about everybody turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll just kind of continue along that same vein as far as, because that's good. How many of you know faith is important? Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. And the just shall live by faith. You know, we live our natural lives through oxygen, right? Without, without oxygen, you ain't going to live. Well, brothers and sisters, can I tell you, without faith, you ain't going to live. You got to have faith in God, faith in Christ, active faith, amen, in him and not you. I mean, it's okay to have some faith and confidence in yourself, and have some self-respect and, and self-esteem and all that. But you know, ultimately, we got to know that without him, we are nothing, we can do nothing, we have nothing. We're hopeless. Amen? Without him, we, it's in him we live and move and have our being. Right? Well, faith, like I say, faith, let's just kind of liken, and I didn't even intend on saying this, but let's just kind of liken faith to the air we breathe. Because to exist... And to live a life in God that he wants us to have, you can't have it without faith. Right? Okay. Well, let's, I remember, Nicole, I wasn't taking notes last week, but you started off defining faith, correct? Do you recall exactly how that was or not, not exactly? I mean, it, we all know basically right here, this is the Bible definition of faith that we so often refer to is now, Nicole pointed out, Faith is always now. It's not later. It's having it right now. And what does that mean? That means that, you know what? I'm not going to get what I'm praying later. I have it now. And I remember something Pastor many, many years ago said that I've never, ever forgotten. He said that Christianity is not the great obtaining, but the great acceptance. Man, that's a life changer. That, that's a load lifter. When you realize, why are you chasing after something you already got? Amen? And, and that's the thing. You know, when we pray is when right that second we believe that we receive whatever we ask, not later, now. I got it now because I just prayed now. And that's faith. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's basically a sixth sense. I taught on that once before, years and years ago. Is, you know, we have a sense of sight, a sense of hearing, a sense of smell, and all these different senses. Well, your eyesight may not help you if you walk into a room with, with some poisonous, invisible gas. But hopefully, maybe your nose can pick it up. Carbon monoxide, you can't, but I guess can you? But you can certain other gases. Well, so if you can't hear it, if you can't feel it, if you can't see it, does that mean it doesn't exist? No, because you have a sense of smell that tells you something's in this room that's not normal. Well, it's the same way with faith. Amen? You may not be able to, with any of your five senses, tell or verify or prove that something is real, but you got a sixth sense called faith it's the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Amen? So you got to remember that. You don't walk by sight. You don't try to eat your food with your ears, do you, and taste it? 
you know, your ears aren't for, for eating and tasting. They're for hearing. Well, that's what faith's for. Faith is for receiving the supernatural. Now, let me, I'm like Nicole. I always like to just start off with a simple definition if I'm talking about something. And you know what? My, my definition is of faith, just real simple. Faith is expecting, Pastor wrote a little book on that one time, Expectation, I forget the title of the book, but really, that's what faith is. Faith is expecting. I'm expecting God to do for me what he said he either has done or will do. Period. That to me is just in a nutshell where I can really grasp and comprehend it. That's faith to me. Faith is taking God at his word and expecting him to be a God of his word. Okay? And if he said it, that's it. I'm expecting him to perform it. Right? And you, you keep that expectation out there. See, hope and faith aren't the same thing, are they? Because the Bible differentiates it. It says now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. But faith and hope are two different things. Now hope can correspond with faith and help faith do it. You know, it kind of undergirds it. But faith is now. Let me go, let's go to a few more verses because I said at the beginning that this is something I, God showed me one time when I was teaching at the Lima Church at the old YMCA. And I'll never forget it because while I was teaching, I don't remember what I was teaching on, but it just, God quickened it to me. Now for years, we all know, and Nicole mentioned it last week, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So I think that for me, for many, many years, and I think for many, many Christians, that we get the mindset that, oh my God, if I, if I don't have enough faith, I, it's impossible for me to be pleasing to God. You know, that I have to, I have to build my faith or God's not going to be pleased with me. Well, it didn't say personalized, but I want to tell you something if you look at it, because I like what Nicole said. There's different ways of saying the same thing with the punctual of what you say. And you know what God showed me that night is, you know why it's impossible to please God without faith? Here's what he showed me, and it made a lot of sense, is because if you don't have, if anybody doesn't have faith, God cannot do for them what he longs to do. Because faith is the key that releases God. So, you know, I, I jumped in the, our car to drive down here this morning. If I wouldn't have had that key to turn the ignition, I don't know how hot wire a vehicle, and I wouldn't have been able to walk or jog down here, that's for sure, in the time frame I had. Amen. Okay, okay. Okay, Randy. <laughs> you reap what you sow, brother. Just remember. Okay, so I, I got noted in my Bible to the side because without faith, it makes it impossible for God to do for us and through us what he so desires. That's why it's impossible to please him because he wants to do so much for us and through us. And if we don't put faith in the key, ignition, he can't do it. Does that give a different twist and a, a different light to it? I think it does a whole different light. Because see, it's not, a, it's so many times, and we're gonna talk about that here. So many times the enemy, that's where he trips us up in using our faith, getting answers to prayer, seeing God do the miraculous for us and through us. And right here is one of the things that it borders on is we get all wrapped up into thinking, God's not pleased with me as much as he needs to be. So therefore, he's not going to hear my prayer or he's not going to do this or he's not going to do that. Well, sure, he did that for them because they're probably more pleasing to him than I am. Am I right? That's, that's what a lot of folks fall into. Whether you want to admit it or not, I already know that's the case. Because that's human nature. But see, we're not supposed to operate in human nature. We got a divine nature. Amen? And that divine nature was birthed in Jesus. And he is the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm not. He is. It's a gift that he gave. Amen? It's a gift of faith. 
And, and like Nicole said, there's a supernatural gift of faith, but every one of us, let's rehash her message, was giving the measure of faith, right? Did you notice? She touched on this. It didn't say every one of us was given a measure of faith. Uh-uh, it didn't say that. It said every one of us was given the measure of faith. Now, I don't know if that was a pint or a quart, or I don't know if it's a gallon, or I don't know what it was, but I know that you and I all got equal faith when we got saved. And it's a gift. It's not something that we earn, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift to God. Grace is a gift, amen? So's faith. Faith is a gift that God gave you and me. We didn't get it ourselves. And so many times we get caught up making the mistake that it's up to us. We're going to be the one that's going to generate a miracle. Does anybody in here realize yet you can't generate miracles in yourself? You can't. How many of you get in a situation that you just know that unless God comes through, it ain't going to happen? That's why, without a doubt in my mind, when Paul said, when I'm at my weakest, he's at his greatest, he's at his strongest. Because if you ever get your back against the wall and you're flat on your back and you're looking up and you know it's done, it's over. Just like the children of Israel, when they came to the Red Sea, they thought, well, this is it. Because <laughs> there, no, there ain't no turning right, turning left. Nope. <laughs> it's the enemy of Egypt behind us and it's the Red Sea in front of us. We're, we're the meat and the sandwich. And we're about to get eight. <laughs> right? Well, when you realize, and, and just like with those that went overseas, when you go overseas to third world countries and you're praying for people, they, you know one reason they have more faith seemingly than what Americans do in many, many cases? Because they don't have option B, C, or D. And you've heard that and you know that. And I'm telling you, if you've never been in a situation where you don't have any other options but to believe God, you won't be able to relate. But if you have, and I know some of you, many of you probably have, that's when it's the easiest to believe God. Because then, see, you don't have this other thing you're kind of trying to hold on to because there ain't nothing to hold on to. You're just out in midair, and it's either God or nothing. Right? Amen. So, okay, I wanted to say that now. Let's, let's just mention real quickly here, because I said one of the tricks of the enemy to mess up your faith is to get your eyes on yourself. Of course, your eyes either on yourself as to are you worthy, are you spiritual, are you deserving to receive God to do this miracle for you, or you get, we get our eyes on the circumstances, right? Peter is the best example I know on that. He's walking on the water, and as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he did all right. But as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look at the, the waves and the, the wind, and I always have to say that when I mention this, what did the wind and the waves have to do with him walking on the water? Is it easier to walk on calm water than it is waves? I don't think so. See, that didn't even have nothing to do with what was happening. That didn't have nothing to do with what God was enabling him to do but he, you know how it is. We all got natural minds, right? We all live natural lives. And our minds and, and Satan wants to come and reason with us and, and, and get our focus off of Jesus and on our circumstances. See, that's the two things you don't want to do. If you're going to walk in faith, you don't want to get your eyes on yourself or your circumstances. But if you keep them on God, you're going to walk on water. You're going to walk in the miraculous. You're going to see the supernatural. As long as you do that, that's all you got to do. That's all Peter had to do. Peter didn't have to, I don't believe, balance himself or nothing. All he had to do is one thing, keep his eyes fixed on Jesus. And if he did that, he was good. Amen? So here's another one. The, one of the prophecies, and I had to step out and use the restroom after the first prophecy, so I didn't hear the other ones. But the first one, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Four times I counted. I think God's trying to let you know he loves you. Right? And you want me to tell you, Nicole mentioned this last week, I believe, faith works by love. Right? And I want to tell you guys something. 
The reason many people struggle with faith is because they struggle believing that God loves them and accepts them. See, you're not accepted by God in yourself. You're accepted in the beloved. Right? And see, we're going to read a scripture verse in Galatians. It says, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Can you imagine when I got saved almost 39 years ago next month? I'm about a month away from being 39 years old. Is that about what I look, right? So that's, you know, it proves out. But when I went down and got saved at a little country church at an altar, I guarantee one thing I didn't do is I didn't sit there and reason with myself and thought, well, no, wait a minute. I can't go up there to get saved because I ain't been praying and I haven't been reading my Bible and I haven't been witnessing and I haven't been this, that, and the other. That didn't even enter the equation. Now listen, listen, please, because this is the gospel, okay? All those things are absolutely good. And you know what? A cat meows and climbs trees and, and does what a cat does because it's a cat. And you know what? If we're Christians, we ought to do certain things. You know, dogs bark and pee on trees and, and chase cats. And, and you know, if a Christian's going to do certain things if you're a Christian. But the thing about it is, let me tell you something. If we, this, let me think here. As we've received him, so continue to walk in him. That's what a scripture verse says in Colossians, Colossians, I believe. So the same way we get saved is the same way we're to maintain our whole spiritual life as far as receiving from God. Okay? And again, I'm telling you guys, I think we got to get this. That faith isn't so much about us. Don't have, so much, don't have more faith in your faith than you have in God. Yeah. I guess, is that fair? So you got to understand faith works by love and I was thinking on the way down here driving this morning I thought as I was a kid I had a pretty good childhood my folks weren't millionaires or even close to it but they both worked and they weren't hurting and you know what when when I had if I if I was hungry out I was always running around the neighborhood always out all the time daylight to dark I was always on the go playing with friends and doing this that and the other ball and when I'd get hungry, I guarantee you, I never once worried about if I got home, if my mom would feed me. You know why? Because I knew she loved me and I knew she's going, that's a job. It's a job to provide for me. Now, I didn't come from a family where we were huggy and kissy. I just didn't. But you know one thing? My mom and dad didn't say, I love you. Now, we tell our kids, I love you every day. Out the door, I love you. That's just like breathing. I wasn't raised like that, but you know what? There was never any question or doubt in my mind that my mom and dad did love me. They didn't have to tell me. They didn't hug me. My mom probably did when I was real little. But you know what? I didn't need that. I knew they loved me. And because I knew they loved me, I knew that when school was starting, I didn't have to worry about school clothes for that year. I didn't have to worry about food the next day. I didn't have to worry about if I was going to have a roof over my head. You know why? Because they loved me. And I knew that. And see, guys, that's where if, if, if we struggle with faith, I'm telling you, a big chunk of it is because you're not fully persuaded that God loves you. And it's his job. Yeah, job. His job to take care of you. Because the Bible says this. If any doesn't provide for his own house, he's worse than an infidel. And I preached one time a long time ago, you know what? Some people think that their dog loves them more than God. And some people take better care of their pet than they think God's going to take care of them. Hello. Is that true? It's absolutely true. People driving around, I love my dog, and then they look at you weird because you love God. That's, that's weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, truthfully. But anyhow. So, here's what, here's what I want to do. Is realize, when you, when you realize that God genuinely, sincerely, is head over heels in love with you, you ain't going to worry. Period. I think your faith level is really seriously connected to the revelation of your love level. Of how much God loves you. I really do. I think if, if you're struggling with faith, 
start meditating, studying, and accepting that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Now, if you think God loves pastor more than you, that's wrong because God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't have any favorite children, okay? But let alone, if you think he loves pastor more than you, how much more do you think he loves Jesus than pastor? And I got the answer for you, none. He loves pastor as much as he loves Jesus, his own son, because pastor's his son, right? And you're his son, you're his daughter. Okay, so let's, let's go on. Here, here's something that came to me this morning in the few hour period that, that I had, this broke to me, and something came to me that I never thought of before. Everybody knows Romans 10, 17. So then, Nicole mentioned it last week, I believe. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and how true that is, that you know what? If you're out here trying to have great faith and you have no word, it's impossible. It's impossible because faith is only built and based on promise from God. Now, the, the, the God kind of faith that we're talking about. Now, you can have faith in other people. I don't know if Nicole mentioned this or I just heard this somewhere else. But you know what? There's certain people that you have faith in that if, if, you, if they tell you they're going to be there at 10 o'clock, you don't even worry or wonder. You know they'll be there at 10 o'clock because you know them. Then there's other people that you know that if they say 10 o'clock, you don't even worry about opening the door until 1020. Right? It's just the way it is. So here's, here's something that I want you to, to bring out. How about if we look at this scripture in this light? Let me amplify it and give you a translation spin on my behalf. So then faith cometh, I'm going to slip a word in here, alive. Through hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because folks, we've already got faith. We already established that. We've already been given the measure of faith. So I believe that it's not so much about getting more faith. It's about activating and using the faith you got. Exactly, right? But the, the Bible talks different places about, did you know the Bible talks about dead faith? Faith without works is dead. Is that in whose life, a Christian or a non-Christian? It's in anybody. Faith without works is dead. The Bible talks other places about great faith, small faith, all kinds of faith. But you know what? Let's think of it in this sense. We all have faith in our heart because it was deposited there by God. The measure of faith. So it may be laying dormant because if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, they say if you tie your arm to the side of your body and don't use it, for after so many months, you'll lose the use of your arm. Well, it's the same way with faith. And that's what Nicole was challenging. Use your faith. The, the mixer bowl on the counter. Use it. It won't do it on its own. You got to use it. You got to mix faith with the word of God that you hear, just like the mixer on the counter. You got to plug it in, push the buttons, and it'll work. And it's the same way with faith. Right? Now... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why do you think, if you really analyze it, in Mark 4, it talks about the parable of the sower. Satan comes immediately to steal the word that's sown. Well, why does he? Because he knows if he can steal the word, then faith is not an issue. And what's the victory that overcomes the world, anybody? Faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, this life, this combat of the devils coming against you, circumstance coming, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So if the devil can steal the word from in your heart and from you cultivating and constantly feeding on the word, he's got it. He's got it in the bag. He don't have to worry about you, me, or anybody else because it's like a car. You ain't got to worry about running your car if it's out of gas. You know, if, if I go to go home today or you go home today and you ain't got no gas in your tank, you ain't going home in your car. We got to keep it replenished. And that's the way faith is. We need to keep it replenished. Amen? 
Okay, now, we did, you know, faith comes by hearing. Here's something else too. I think a lot of times we think we can just muster up faith on the spot. You know, we just kind of go along in life and boom, all of a sudden something big comes and then we're going to muster up a great amount of faith. Walking in the parking lot from my car up to here this morning, I believe the Lord showed me a vision, or not a vision, but just gave me a thought that, you know what, that'd be like a marathon runner not even conditioning or preparing for a marathon. How's that going to work? Ain't going to work. And it's the same way in life. I've heard it said before, you can't go out in a hurricane and try and build a house. You better build a hurricane-proof house in Florida before a hurricane comes. And it's true. It's the same way in our lives, folks. It's no different. If you're not keeping your faith fed and keeping it active, then when tornadoes and hurricanes come, hey, you know, God can do miracles, but we're talking about usually they work through this. They work through faith, typically, okay? So faith, I mean, prayer and fasting, does that have anything to do with our faith? It does. But you know what? I, I remember last time I ministered a couple months ago, I was talking on praying in tongues and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And one of the benefits of praying in tongues is, according to Jude, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And you know what? I didn't have time to give an example, but I thought today might be a good time to give an example. Randy, stand up, will you please? Because Nicole, he really did a great job last week, didn't he, on the illustration? Y'all was here last week, and she had Dakota and Randy stand side by side. Make a muscle, Randy. No, make, make a muscle. Okay, everybody look. Okay, not praying in tongues. Praying in tongues. A picture's worth a thousand words, right? So there you go. I could just wrap up today, and that's a message in itself. Amen? Will you all never forget that for me? That'll make you pray in tongues. See there? You reap what you sow. Just wanted you to know God's faithful, brother. Okay. So let's, uh, let's turn back a few chapters in Hebrews to Hebrews 4. And here's, here's another thing about faith that we got to really keep in mind and remember. Now, faith is a fight, correct? Okay, the good fight of faith. So let me tell you something. Fight is, faith is definitely a fight, but I want to tell you something else it is, that it should be restful. Restful. You may have to tussle and tuggle with some demons, okay, that's coming to challenge and steal your faith and steal your miracle, but let me tell you something. You, you want me to tell you when you know you're in faith? There's a couple ways. One is what's coming out of your mouth. All you got to do is put a recording on and listen, go back and listen to yourself for an hour. And you'll, you can tell what you believe. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. It ain't, you ain't going to change it. You can lie for a little bit, but the truth is eventually going to come out. It's going to spill. The beans are going to be spilled. You're going to know what you really believe. First, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, Believing, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. See, that's a thermometer. If you really want to know how much faith you got, how much faith is coming out of your mouth. Not mechanically, but genuinely coming out of your heart naturally. Okay? Now, look at this verse here. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. Now think about that, guys, because that's true faith. True faith rests in God. And I remember a long time ago, God gave me this illustration. It's another word picture. We won't use Randy this time. But, you know, you you see certain birds, and I mean, they're up there, and they're flapping their wings like this, Right? Certain birds just constantly. And some go real crazy. And then you got the eagle. And he's just up there and he rarely has to flap. Because why? He lets the wind current 
underneath his wings do the work. And that's what God, that's what God wants faith to do for you and I. Don't, don't freak out, don't flap, don't wear yourself out. Just rest in God and just let him be the wind beneath your wings. Right? Now let's go on here. Down a little few verses down. In verse 9 it says, There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now that, I think that's a, I think that's a real important note right there. He hath ceased from his own works. See, if we, I'm telling you, I've heard it and seen it too much as long as I've been saved. Too many people are concentrating on their performance as to whether they're going to get an answer to their prayer. Now, guys, let me just tell you something. I'm as big of an advocate as anybody. If you got a rebellious, disobedient spirit, you may as well not even waste your breath praying. Because God ain't going to hear you. Okay? If your heart is not right, and if you're not genuinely, sincerely desiring to do what's right, then I'm just telling you, do you reward a rebellious child? Do you get a kid a new bike because he just got suspended from school for seven days for being an idiot? No. We don't reward disobedience and rebellion, and God don't do it. Okay? But let me just tell you something. God doesn't just reward perfection either, because if he did, ain't none of us going to get rewarded. Is that right? And see, here's what I really felt impressed this morning to, to, to hit on pretty good, is did you know that of all the great miracles that you read about in the Bible, I'm talking mighty miracles and mighty men of God, did you know that most of them, the Bible lists their flaws and their faults? Because they were common people just like you and I. James says that, you remember, Elijah was a man of like passions, just like you and I, but yet he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and it didn't rain. But you know what? Elijah wasn't perfect. Was Abraham perfect? No. It's recorded in here. He lied about his wife, not just on one occasion. He repeated the same thing. He wasn't perfect. Was David perfect? No, of course he wasn't. You know, if we're going to go by, by moral standards, I, I can feel more confident in David because I've never committed adultery. And I've never arranged to have a guy murdered. So I guess I can have more confidence in David. And so could you, because I doubt if many of you have ever done that. See, why is it that the Bible... You know what? If, if God casts our sins as far as the east is the west, no more remembered about us, have you ever thought about this? What about them poor guys? <laughs> David's had that written about him, his dirty laundry, for how many hundreds and maybe thousands of years now? <laughs> what about that? What about Abraham? What about Noah? Did you know what Noah did? He got drunk and ended up his daughters come in and slept with him. He messed up. And it's in here. And it hasn't been blotted out. But it has in God's eyes and in God's mind because it's covered. But let me tell you something. There's no question in my mind. Why did God have those things recorded? Why do you suppose he did? I got a hunch that the reason he did is was to tell us thousands of years later, when the devil comes to you and tries to condemn you and tell you you're not good enough and you're not worthy enough, for God to do this, that you can go back and refer back to all these incidents and to these people that God did for in spite of themselves. Because it wasn't about them as much per se. Now, again, let's rightly divide it. You already established if David was a man after God's own heart. Can you, can you have a right heart and after God and mess up big time? Evidently. Does that condone messing up big time? No, but that tells you that there's a big difference when God sees, you know, if you're trying, if, if when my children were trying to learn a, to ride a bicycle, 
I don't care if they fell 250 times. I'm going to pick them up every time and love them and encourage them and not think no less of them. And do you think God's any different? If you being evil can do that to your children, how much more will God? So you see, guys, there's a balance. There's an absolute balance. And a lot of it's got to do with the heart because God does look on the heart. Man looks on outward appearance. God does look on your heart. And you know what? His grace, you know who his grace works for? See, I used to to wonder when I was a young Christian, I thought, wow, what's going to be the dividing line? Who's going to make it? Who's not going to make it? If a person dies, a Christian struggling in this area, and if he dies, is he doomed to hell? No. Because let me tell you something. If he hasn't gotten comfortable and compromised and excused his pet peeve or sin or shortcoming or whatever, let me tell you something. If you do that, beware. Okay? If you have the, the, the mindset, oh, well, God will understand and God will forgive, and then you just go ahead and don't even take it serious and continue in on that, danger, danger, danger. But you see, if you have a heart that you are not content with staying where you're at, and you're not content to allow this to continue to defeat you and buffet you and belittle you, but you have a heart that, you know what? I'm going to beat this. I'm going to win. I'm going to do it through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you stay in the forward gear, you're good. Because I'm going to tell you something. Grace covers that. Because the Bible says the very last verse in Ephesians, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with all sincerity. That's who grace belongs to. Now I'm just going to tell you, that's, that's as simple as it gets. If you don't sincerely love God and you're not sincerely trying to do what's right, you aren't covered in grace. It's that simple. You know who mercy works for? Those who greatly fear the Lord. Great is his mercy towards those who fear him. That, I'm covered. Because you see, I fear God and I want to do what's right. Sincerely, with all my heart. I want to do the will of God more than anything else. And that's the truth. So guess what? I don't wrestle with condemnation. Am I perfect? Well, my wife thinks I am, but I'm not. You see, Randy knows I am, but I'm really not. That's why he's envious and jealous, but it's all good. Because Randy, I'm still a man, just like you. A little bit more of a man, but... Oh, I got to do that, guys. He deserves it. Y'all know that, right? If you don't know Randy, you may not know that. But if you know him, you know it. Okay. So here's something. Mark eleven twenty two. It says, have faith in God. And then the very next verses is powerful. Okay. For whosoever shall send him out. But have faith in God. Why is it so many times the devil gets this off of God and gets us to have faith in ourselves, whether we're good enough or done enough or deserve enough. You know, it's the truth. That is not how it works. That's not how it's supposed to work. I've said that before when I've taught a message about prayer. Did you notice we're supposed to pray and at the end we're supposed to say in Jesus' name? And guys, it's super important. The reason for saying a prayer in Jesus' name is because I receive it based upon what Jesus done for me, who Jesus is to me, my substitutionary sacrifice. Not because I deserve it, but I deserve it through him because of what he did. You know, that's the key. But so many times the devil pulls us away from that mentality. Do you agree? We say it, but we don't believe it. We don't believe that we're going to get what we've asked strictly based on him and not us. Now, again, guys, you have to have a right spirit. If, you, if your heart's not right and you're rebellious and disobedient, don't waste your breath. Don't bother praying because the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And his eyes and his ears aren't open to them prayers. But let me tell you something. He hears the prayer of a sinner, doesn't he? Because it's prayed from his heart. He's sincerely calling out to God to deliver him and to save him. So he does hear sinners but it's just only them certain cases where they're reaching out to him 
for intervention and for help, right? If you're just going to use him as a Santa Claus and just live your life any old way you want to, it ain't happening. You better go look for a genie in a bottle because you have a better chance, right? Because God ain't going to do that for you. Okay, so let's, let's turn to Galatians. Now, I'm going to show you the verse I made mention of here just a few minutes ago. Galatians, and this, guys, this will hit it on the head. This will show you Galatians chapter 3. Okay, and verse 3. Okay, it says, are you, well, let's read verse 2. This only would I learn of you, received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? It's just what I said earlier. When we come and get saved, we do it totally looking to him. Believing that he loves us, believing that he's going to do it through grace, not because of we earning it, right? But I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I guarantee you I'm talking to a lot of people who've been there, done that, and they're still doing that. You're basing your faith on yourself, on whether you're spiritual enough, whether you've, like I say, done all the right things, whether God loves you enough, forget all that. You get in any answer to prayer and any miracle the same way you got your first one when you got born again and saved. The same exact way. And if you're trying to do it any other way, it ain't going to work. Hello? Is that good news? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I'm not going to get what I deserve. I'm going to get a whole lot more than what I deserve because of Jesus, because of grace. Amen? So... That in mind, we already talked about ordinary people, and, and just like with the ones we mentioned, Elijah, David, Abraham, the list goes on and on and on and on. Now, what's the time? Okay, we're good. Here's something. How about 1 Corinthians? Let's, we're just right the one book away, a couple books away from that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now again, remember... I believe God had recorded the faults and the flaws of the great patriarchs for a reason. And without question, has anybody got a better answer or analyzation of why would that stuff be recorded thousands of years later? That dirt written on them, it's for a reason. It's to let us know that they wasn't no different than us. Okay? None. Now, the same thing right here we're going to read. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it goes down through a list of things beginning at verse 8. Don't let us commit fornication as some of them committed. Don't let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted. Don't murmur as they were murmured. Now it says all these things happen to them for examples and they're written for our admonition. Now, I didn't know what the word admonition meant. I got to give Randy. I, I beat him up, so now I'm going to lift him up. He taught me what admonition was a few years ago when somebody admonished him as being the mayor of Kenton. And I'll be honest with you, all these years, I didn't realize what admonish meant. I thought admonish was a good thing. Well, it's not. It's a critical thing. And I didn't know that. But thanks to Randy Manns, I knew that now. I know that now. So, see, the Bible says that a lot of these bad things that was recorded back in the Old Testament, like Ananias, Sapphira, and, and, and the children of Israel that were punished greatly and all that stuff. And you know, you know why the Bible records back in, under the law? Why if a child disrespected their parents, why they were stoned? Let me tell you why. Because it was a serious situation. It was a serious matter. I thought, you know what, here's something. I'm just going to just real quick tell you. I was reading back in Leviticus I kind of started my Bible through a year thing, and I was reading in Leviticus. And wow, you read about all the animal sacrifices. Man, there was a bloodbath. I'm talking, if you read how many animals were sacrificed and killed, it was unfathomable. You wouldn't even think there'd be that many animals to do that to the degree that it was happening. And it says that God was pleased. And I thought, I had to shake my head and just think for a second, man, 
I know it's just an animal, but that's still gory. That's still really gruesome. And you know what? The reason that it was is because it had to be. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And let me tell you something. That's how horrible sin is. And many times we don't realize it. And you know why God laid down such strict civil law back in the Old Testament? I'll tell you why. So that people would fear to not do evil. That was the key. That's why they had such strict, stringent rules and penalties. Because it's just the truth. If, if, I tell people in juvenile detention center, when I go in there, I said, you know what? I used to deal drugs. And I mean, this is back 40 years ago. And back then, they didn't just slap you on the wrist. If you got caught with a substantial amount of drugs, you was in some trouble. And you know what? I still did it. But I guarantee you what I wouldn't have done, if they would have had a law out that any drug dealers get caught, you die, I wouldn't have been a drug dealer. I'm pretty sure. And you see what I'm saying? That's why there was such strict severity to that. But what got us on that? Oh, because let these things be done for our admonition. Let's read in the Old Testament. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you think that was bad, it can get worse than that. Because I just was reminded of a scripture verse in Hebrews that said, if they trampled under the blood of bulls and goats, suffered such punishment, how much more do you think he'll suffer who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing? <laughs> it gets worse. You know, getting stoned to death would be pretty bad, but can I tell you all something? Hell's worse than that. Hell's worse than getting stoned to death. Okay? And it's worse than anything else that you could ever experience or imagine. So that's why it's written as a warning. But at the same token, let's, let's look at the good side of the coin. It says in verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Now there's another revelation. If you get a revelation that God loves you, and that God is faithful. He's not a man that he would lie or the son of man he would repent. If he's spoken it, he will make good on his word. If you get them two revelations, faith won't be a problem. It won't be a problem. Because God don't ever lie. God don't ever tease. He don't ever tell you something or put it in front of your nose and then when you reach for it, pull it right out in front of you. He don't do that. So let's go on here. God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, let me tell you something, guys. We're not going to have time, but if you want to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read the faith chapter, all the, the great stories and the great accomplishments that were done by faith, who through faith, who through faith, who through faith, who through faith, and did you notice it wasn't who through their great works through their great deserving. It wasn't about, because these are the people we already commented about their faults and their flaws. Okay? So see, they was recorded for that. The, the judgments of God was recorded for a reason so that you can realize how many of you in here would not want to be stoned to death? Is there anybody that would like to? Because we could have a stoning service afterwards. Nobody? Well, then let me tell you something. If you don't want to be stoned, you sure don't want to die without Christ and go to hell. Because it's many, multi-time, millions times worse. Okay? So that's why those was written. But I want to tell you something. Do you know why the great miracles of the Bible were recorded? And why God didn't just pick some, but he chose the ones that's just like blows your mind? I've said this before, I believe, on occasion. Is God use the most extreme stories to tell us so that we can know, well, if he did that, he can certainly do what I have need of. You know, if he, if he split the Red Sea and allowed a few million people from Israel to cross over, and then as soon as they were over, it closed, and, and, and the very thing that saved Israel destroyed Egypt. You see, he did that. I'd say that's making a way where there seems to be no way, wouldn't you? 
I mean, if, we, if you'd have been there, then your hope would have been in God, I guarantee you, or you wouldn't have had no hope. Because I'm telling you, who knows how many Egyptian soldiers were behind. I guarantee you a mass, mass, mass army who was equipped with weapons and the children of God had none. And then they had this big body of water on the other side. No way to escape. But guess what? God always can provide a means of escape. Again, I ask you, have you ever been there? I have. I've been in a situation where it looked like there ain't one chance in a million you're going to get out of this. But God made a way. God made a way. And he will for anybody who will believe him and trust him and rest in him and rely on him and keep their eyes on him and not yourself. No, you can't do it. You can't produce miracles in yourself. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how fast you are. But you know what you can do? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see, we read these stories. I told Randy and Nicole, we ran into them at the movie. And, and Isaiah, my son, and I went and seen Samson. Anybody seen it? Whoo! Was you impressed? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was real good. It was professionally produced. And I mean, it was good. It wasn't cheesy like some can be or have been. It was good. I'd encourage you to go see it. But you know what? Samson killed a lion. Now, I don't know if any of you went to the zoo or anywhere and seen lions, but let me tell you something. They're pretty crazy <laughs> creatures. They could intimidate real easy. I went up to Toledo. They used to have these exotic animals at a farm up there just behind chain link fits. And they had lions and tigers and bears, literally. And it'd make you say, oh my. Because <laughs> they would be literally from, from six foot away from you with a chain link fence separating you. A little short chain link fence here and a taller one about six foot away. And then there they are. And I remember, man, I, I was one day up there by myself. I'd stop by when I get up on business. And I was walking back to look at the grizzly bears. And all of a sudden, man, I hear this lion let out this roar and every bone in my body shook it was like it's an incredible and guess what Samson tore the lion's mouth apart a man a physical human being anointed and strengthened by God literally barehandedly killed a lion and David did a lion and a bear how many of you know a bear can be pretty intimidating too but see, these things happened. And go read, he, he slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Now, I don't know how many is here this morning, but there's probably not a thousand out here under the sound of my voice, is there? So just imagine me, remember? And all I would need would be a jawbone of a donkey, and I'd take every one of you guys on and defeat you single-handedly with bare hands and a jawbone of a donkey. That really happened. Did you know that? This isn't Aesop's fables. This is a holy Bible. It, they, it's not exaggerated. It tells it like it happened. Did you know there was a prophet named Elijah that outran a king's chariot of horses? He outran. You talk about fast. Randy used to be fast. Randy Waters, not Randy, he never was fast, but Randy Waters used to be fast. See, that's going to teach you to mess with me, brother. You want to, <laughs> but Randy used to be fast. But let me tell you something, Usain Bolt wouldn't have been fast enough to outrun a chariot and horses. See, he, he exceeded, he, he did the miraculous. Is that same God still available today? If need be, could, could he still anoint and enable you to do something crazy? If it's necessary, he could do it. He could do it. If you have faith. Now, if you go to mental ascent and say, well, that, let's just be honest, that could never happen today. It never will to you. That's for sure. Because you got to be of the opinion that with God, nothing's impossible. And not just with God, but all things are possible to he that believeth. How many things? How much does that leave out? No exceptions. I preached one time, anything, everything, anywhere, all that, you know, whosoever, whatsoever, that, man, I'll tell you what, that's, that's the way it is. There's no limitations 
for you. There's no limitations to faith, period. There's no ceiling to it. You know that? So I, we got to encourage ourselves with these things. Um, so I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to just wrap up with saying this, that 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says to us who have obtained like precious faith. And let me tell you something else too. I got to say this. I'm not going to turn there. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it lists all these great stories of all these great miracles. And you know something that I've always wondered about? It says, these having faith, even though they obtained not the promises. Did you guys ever remember reading that, right? It's in there. Let me, let me just, I think it's important maybe, that, let me just read it right out of the Bible so you know exactly what it says. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And then here, here's a key too. Having seen them, they seen them afar off. They kept the word of God in their eyesight, the promises, and they were persuaded of them and they embraced them and they confessed them. So right there, Hebrews eleven thirteen gives you instructions on how to live a victory life of faith, okay? But notice what the first thing says. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. And I always thought, now wait a minute. They did receive the miracles. The ones that, it just listed miracles. And then you know what? It didn't say miracles, it said promises. And can I remind everybody here today that you and I are under a better covenant than what they were under established upon better promises because guess what Christ hadn't died yet and paid the price back then but he has today and we have the promises in Christ that's the promises in the New Testament that we read about and then I do got to say this and I'm done this I almost forgot it and this is a really really this will be the icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned for what I'm what I've said today you remember in Hebrews where it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need? Almost 39 years I've been saved, guys. Never saw this till just last couple hours. It didn't say let us come boldly to the throne of God. What did it say? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Wonder why it said that? Because it's in grace, the grace of God through Jesus Christ, that we can be bold, that we're going to walk in the supernatural, see prayers answered, and see miracles. Do you get that? Don't go boldly just to the throne of God. That's good. But go boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that great God's grace is yours, all yours, through Jesus. And that's the basis of what you're going to receive anything that he's promised. Okay? I hope you took notes, at least mental notes. And, and we just need to all remind ourselves of these things. Amen? Rest. Don't struggle. Don't fall into condemnation because if you fall into condemnation, you're going to be out of faith. Just rest in faith. If there was a big old lazy boy up here, I could just go back there and just sit down and just rest and relax and think, oh, I don't have to use my mind no more. I can just shut my mind down. I don't have to work. I don't have to stress. I can just rest. That's what God wants us to do. In Jesus. Amen. Nicole? I think one of my favorite parts, Mike, is when you talked about the bird. And you've seen those little birds. Just, and sometimes when life situations come, that's our first response. Exactly. Because that's what we can do. Exactly. That's, that's, that's our initial reaction. Old man's mind going, I can fix this. I can fix this. If I work harder, if I just fight my way, I can get there. I can get there. And God's going, stop. I've already created a wind underneath you. I've already Amen. foresaw this coming. Amen. Would you just rest? 
And what if we saw our children doing that? Right. You know, right. When, when it was something so simple, a math problem. I've done fractions four times now, please. Just because there's a big number and a little number. I know how to get X off the top and get it on the bottom and on the other side it equals. Rest. It's yes. good. It's just a process. Just relax. Every other child struggled with fractions. You'll be fine. Amen. Just rest. I like it. The eagle. The eagle. That's good. Great message, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. It's a good place to be. Amen. A restful plate. I never saw that before. That's good. Thank you for a good word, Mike. And I know that we're going to take this with us. With this service coming to an end, we want to be sure that we don't miss the opportunity to give a call out for salvation. You know, there's not a service that goes by that there might be somebody here today. I think of the prophecies that came forth. And I saw the Lord unctioning each one of us to trim our wigs, to be sure that we were ready, to humble ourselves, to turn from our wicked ways, and to give that place to Him. If there's somebody in the house today that would say, Nicole, I'll be bold enough. I'll be the first one to walk down and meet that throne of grace today. Then I'd ask that this is your time. This is your time to come and receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Or maybe you've just fallen away from Him and you're reminded today that through this message or through the past couple weeks that, you know what, I just need to come back home. I need to come back home to what I know it's where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be wandering in the world. I'm not supposed to be dipping my foot in the pool of the world or playing around with the things of the world. But God, I need to get back to your place, the way you operate in the holiness and purity and being sanctified for you. Because I'm telling you today, I know more than I ever know that God is coming quickly. And though my grandmother said it and the grandmother before her told us that time was short, God says that there are seasons that man can identify that it is time to get right with the Lord. That season is present today. And I'm telling you more than ever, I hope that I live long enough. My children have children, but I don't know that we're guaranteed that long. And that's the truth. So if that's you and you'd like to come forward and rededicate your life today, or this is your first time, then now's your time. If you would stand to your feet, everyone in the house, stand to your feet. Our services come to a close, but we want to be sure that we make a chance today for those people here in the house. If there are anybody to be present, come down. We're going to have you on the right side of the altar today to the stage right. There's also a time where if there's new members in the house and you've said that I want to make a commitment to my local church, come on down, sir then we're going to make a place for you. We want to make a commitment to you as your local church, as you make a commitment to the church here, that we're willing to stand with you. We're willing to be a part with you. And we want to do that today. So if you're a new member of the church, I want you to come down to stage left. And if you're going to give your life to Jesus, then I want you on stage right. And we're going to pray with you today. Thank you for making the commitment to member of the church today. Salvation. Come on up. Brother Rob, come on down here today. Where's Rob? Rob in the house tonight? I know you're here. Come on down. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your membership. Thank you for coming to the church. Come on down. Praise the Lord. What a joyous day. The church rejoices today for two reasons. One, that you've realized that you want to be a part of this family. And it is a family. Know this. With family, families fight sometimes, don't they? Families say things they shouldn't say and stick their foot in their mouth, right? Well, all these people are going to do their best to be your friends and family. But sometimes family gets in a little tiff. We got to forgive. We have to push past it. And we have to work together. Because remember, it says faithful are the wounds of a friend. If I see you in error, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to whoop on you a little bit. So come on, clean yourself up. That's not how we act in church. Remember Mike said, if we're dogs, we act like dogs. And cats have a certain thing. So do we as Christians. So do we as only believe family. We believe in marriage. We believe all things are possible. It's our name. It's what we believe in. Amen. We believe in the cross in Christ. So we join together. My parents aren't here today, but they would say to you that we make a commitment to you that we'll live a righteous life, a holy life, and a sanctified life. 
You're not going to hear, if you hear anything in a paper in the news, I guarantee you it's not the truth. And you need to come to the horse's mouth to hear if it's true. And I'll be the first one to say that if my parents would fall into sin and bring us shame, we'd have them step out. That's not the way God works and it's not the what we're about. We're here to promote and to help you find your purpose in God and to live it at the fullest place ever. This is a place where friends become family and we want you to be a part of our family. Amen? Let's pray. I want just a few members to come down and I want you to touch them and just support them and let them feel the love of the family as we pray. Come down. Thank you. Thank you, Tammy and Joe. Come on down. I want them to feel support and I want you to introduce yourselves to them when you're done because I want them to feel the love of the family. All right? What's your name? Rob. Reuben. What's your name, sir? Rick. And his lovely wife, Teresa. Let's pray. Father, we just come before these families, Father, right now today in the name of Jesus. God, we just thank you for them. God, we thank you that they've joined our family of faith. And God, we just pray, Father God, that you would begin to bless them, Father. Support them in this walk with Christ, Father, as they get their foundation and their footing within our church. Father, help them to create new relationships, Father, and find friends and family, Father, within this group. And God, I thank you, Lord, that as we discover their gifting and talents, Father, they would begin to use them in the church and become a part, Father, for the great commission, Father, that we would make others, Father, for this church. Go and make disciples, God and only believe in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Now you're gonna go with this gentleman here and we're gonna have a little membership meeting afterwards. And I'm gonna come back and meet you guys and talk with you a little bit. All right, I'll see you back there in a little bit. And here we have salvation. Praise God. What's your name, sir? Tim. It's good to meet you and good to see you. Praise God. He's already prayed the prayer of salvation. And if you would go back with John, he's got some information for you. Thank you for adhering to the word of the Lord today. Appreciate it. Welcome to the family. Praise God. Hallelujah. I can't think of a better way to end a service than salvation and new membership. Amen. We're going to pray, bless you on your way out, and may God be good to you this week. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And God, we ask that every ear, Father, every thought, every mind, every person here today, Father, that's heard the word of the Lord. Father, that as it was given to us, Father, the devil comes immediately to steal it. Father, that we would hang on to that word and that it would take root in our heart, God, and begin to bring forth fruit this week. God, keep us safe in our ways. And God, as you bring someone across each and every one of our paths this week, we would see it, Father, and give the great commission of salvation to each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, go and be blessed this week. We'll see you once Wednesday at 7 o'clock and Sunday at 10 a.m. Have a good week. This is how I find my